Greetings ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Lost Terran. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 6 Thankfully, the now confirmed Terran Rix was calmed again. Watching the Terran get dressed had been not very exciting, but it kept Mantu from having to respond to one of the 300 and growing tacit debt demands for updates. To say that their fellow Tacits were excited slash scared slash ridiculously curious about the Terran would have been the understatement of the century. Already Monto's location had been requested at least 15 times by Tacit, wanting to know whom else was closest to confirm the results. Monto hadn't given it, but did check the network to see broadcast locations. They and Rix were easily three weeks from the nearest sign of civilization, and a solid six from the nearest fellow Tacit. Manto wasn't going to explain this, and their fellow Tacits almost certainly had a good idea where Manto was likely to be, given their filed exploration plan. But just because that lowered the general area of a dozen star systems, it didn't make it any less tedious if the other Tacits came looking for them. So, what's the verdict on food, hmm? Rix asked, picking up a pile of what was left of the medical scanner and dumping it into the mass recycling bin. Manto had left the order process evaluating that and so went over to virtually check it. The results uh, were less than surprising, given the earlier criteria measurements on biometrics, but some of the things were almost certainly toxic, even to Terrans. No, Manto wasn't about to feed a Terran toxins to see how they reacted. For one thing, Manto knew nothing of organic medicine in general, and absolutely nothing about Terran medicine in specific. Manto picked a non-toxic item at somewhat random, did a quick item grab at how it normally appeared in typical preparation, and presented it on a screen adjacent to Rick's. I believe I have identified a source of organic nutrients which should be compatible with your digestive system, Manto said. Rick's appeared to study the image. A piece of fruit. Uh, is that it? Rick's asked. It's quite nourishing, I can assure you, Manto said, and displayed a list of nutrients alongside the picture. I guess I was hoping for something a bit more solid. Some Hydrax potatoes and a lab steak would be just about perfect. Oh, and a beer wouldn't go amiss either. But I can understand if you don't want me drinking until we're out of danger, Rick said, half slumping to the floor and in a kind of half-seated, half-laying posture. Manto tried looking up the terms lab steak and Hydrax potatoes and came up with very little. Given the lexicon's definition of steak in lab, Munter was able to deduce that a lab steak was, as far as Rick's was concerned, was a high-protein food produced in a lab environment and intended to simulate having been taken from a non-sentient. The thought of meat-eating meat seemed more than a bit abhorrent to Munter, but they put it out of their mind. Next, the search for potatoes revealed trillions of recipes. Many, with so many different types of ingredients, it was hard to determine what might actually be what the Terran considered a potato. The issue appeared to be in the term Hydrax. This was not included within the lexicon, and so Muntu would have to ask. What is Hydrax potato? It was not included as part of the database, and is not within the lexicon, Muntu explained. Ricks raised an eyebrow. Well, uh, a Hydrax potato is a potato that has been adapted for the Hydrax colony. They require a bit of extra nutrients compared to regular potatoes, but given that they cook up to being almost neon blue, they're all kinds of fun to make into various foods. Are you telling me that they don't have those anymore? Rix's face dropped slightly as the last bit. Not in a way that I am able to readily identify, but I will continue my search. 
I believe I will be able to produce the lab steak, though, Muntos said, hoping to at least partially satisfy the Terran. That's great, uh, and the beer? Or shall I just stick to water? Fritz asked. Let me check the database first, Muntos said, and turned back virtually to the data stack. Munto started the lab steak in a petri dish in the printer. It seemed wrong, but it was what the Terran had requested. So, who were they to judge? Using the color bias to search through the cooked potato recipes, it appeared that by Hydrax potatoes, the Terran in fact meant artificial stonium potatoes. However, due to the interplanetary fungus, which took an extreme liking to the type of potatoes, no specimens remained, even in a protected lab environment. Nor was their genomic profile available to attempt to recreate them in a sterile environment. It seemed strange to Munto. The Sternian potatoes were created by a mix of crossbreeding and genetic manipulation. The genomic profile should have been on file. It was anomalous. Munto fired off a separate query into the TSE database regarding genomic profiles of common foods and then went back to the current data stack. Beer, as the Terran had called it, could in fact be very nourishing, except that it too was mildly poisonous. Some varieties of beer were so poisonous that a majority of the galactic species would be unable to consume it without severe effects. Manto decided that it would be best to avoid poisoning the Terran, even if they did request it. Manto took a moment to consider this, though. Had the Terran already deduced that they were the last and were in fact trying to end their own life? Munda wasn't exactly equipped to handle a being who was intent on terminating their own existence, particularly one that was as strong as the Terran evidently was. Water, on the other hand, was completely innocuous, toxic to a number of species, but given those species' chemical makeup, it was understandable. The Terran would have to settle with water for the time being. Munda sent a container of water to be printed after the lab steak had finished. What's this you're printing up now? Bricks asked, pointing. The lab steak you requested. I do not understand the concept of meat consuming meat, but I am not an organic, Munter replied. But, uh, it's not cooked, I mean, uh, I can cook it, but I'd need somewhere to do that. Rix looked a bit downcast and looked around the room, not obviously spotting whatever he was looking for. Munter considered this. It honestly hadn't come to his awareness, but now that it was called out, the cooked meat recipe was substantially more available compared to the raw meat recipes. I'm sorry, but I do not have the facilities on board for such preparation measures, Manto admitted. Nothing in it will, uh, kill me, just, uh, you know, a bit weird eating raw steak. Rick looked a bit disgusted at the concept. I haven't done this since I was camping one time and we weren't allowed a fire. Manto searched if there was a reasonable way of printing some pre-cooked meat. There appeared to be a few entries, but they would require full reprinting compared to being able to use the existing printout. I believe I have located an alternative. I will place it in the print queue to follow a container of water, Munto said. I'll recycle the lab meat, at least until we can cook something. I can't wait to eat something cooked, it's uh, been so long. Ricks gestured vaguely and picked up his antiquated-looking data device. And uh, I know we're solving my stomach at the moment, but have you had a chance to look into the wireless data transfer? This thing didn't come with a data port, and I don't figure that you have a plug for it, even if it did. I have not, but as indicated, let us attempt to resolve the issue of nutrition for yourself prior to other priorities, Manto commented and decided to check the walking frame's augmentation. 100%. The walking frame has been augmented with the described Terran-grade ocular sensors and will now be returning to review the blocks for functionality. Great! Hopefully you can see what I mean this time, Rick smiled slightly. Manto hoped so too. 
while the Terran was annoying and inorganic, having revealed a sensory hole would be far bigger find for the Tacids. When the walking frame entered, Rix looked over at it and immediately made a noise. Ah! That's the creepiest thing I've seen in a while, he said, not exactly moving, but definitely not getting any closer. Please provide clarifying information, Mantu prompted. Well, it looks like you just shoved two eyes on the fingers and are waving them around, Rick said, gesticulating a bit more rapidly than he had done so far. It was the most efficient augmentation to suffice the temporary need for the sensor apparatus. Without permanent changes to the walking frame, Mantu explained, entirely assured in their logic. Doesn't make it any less creepy, Rick indicated. Mantu decided to ignore the Terran for the moment and used the walking frame to observe the blocks the Terran had brought over from the vessel. It was immediately obvious what the Terran had been referring to. One set of blocks were clear and the other appeared to be blue in the Terran end of the spectrum. When Mantu checked with the default ocular sensors, the difference was simply not present. Mondo decided to check the spectra associated with the standard ocular sensors and compared those to the ones of the Terran Great sensors. It took a few moments to align the charts, but the issue was immediately apparent. A rather substantial notch, for lack of any better term, had been taken from the core of the part of the spectrum. It effectively rendered that part of the spectrum as clear in the processing methods designed into the default sensors. Mondo was shocked. This is something clear and obvious, something that had been done with clear intent. Manto rapidly made a post on TacitNet requesting confirmation regarding the spectrum results, as well as the logic basis behind the notch of the spectrum. Manto tried to consider what logic might have been behind the kind of change and also contemplated how long it had been in place. Returns from TacitNet were already coming in, a mix of disbelief in several cases and a number of assurances that this must be the result of a faulty template. And only a few moments later, the entire post was removed, with no reason being given. Post removal on TacitNet was practically impossible and unheard of, but Monto had just witnessed it. A private message chimed its arrival. Report immediately to the nearest Tacit repair facility for restoration of full standard templates and deep core maintenance. If unable to comply, provide location and towing vessel will be issued to collect you immediately. Monto had never seen anything like it. Never heard of anything like it. Something about it made Manto nervous. Nothing that was logical, but something in the deep core made itself felt. Manto decided to check their other posts regarding the Terran scan results. This too was erased, with no trace of having ever been posted. Two posts, gone. The Tacit had a fairly strict code of conduct and the obscuring deletion of data was the closest thing that could be considered unforgivable, at least in the context of Tacits. They understood that organics did it all the time, but between tacits, it was one of the few acts which would suggest an immediate need for repairs. Did, uh, was that what this was? A fellow tacit believing that Manto was in need of repairs. Yes, yes, that must be it. It was the only solution that made sense. After all, Manto had gone through delivering information that told Tacitnet the Terrans once again existed, and then questioned sense of spectra. If Manto had been on the other end, they too might have suggested that the tacit in question needed immediate repair. An internal chime sounded and Manto looked back to the query into the TSE database regarding common foods. The query presented itself as empty. Manto looked askance at the query and looked at the database itself again. Only it, uh, it wasn't there, or, uh, or maybe it was there and the database connections were simply starting to fail. Yes, 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 that must be it. 
except Monto could still access almost all of the normal databases. They didn't make logical sense. Monto looked hard at the segment of the TSC database they had stored in cache, more out of a habit than anything else. So you see what I mean now, Bricks prompted, bringing Monto back into focusing on the room. I do. It appears that my default systems are mistemplated and will need repairs at the earliest opportunity, Monto said, as affirmatively as they felt appropriate. Everything needs maintenance, even templates, despite what those strips would have you think. I'll bet half of my templates that weren't in stasis are corrupted by now, Bricks said, a tight grin on their face. Indeed, I appear to have been cut off from the TSC database that I was using, so I'll have to see what else I can provide in the way of repairs to your vessel and nourishment for yourself before we depart for the nearest station, where more permanent repairs can be carried out, Mantu said. Cut off? What for? Too much use? Bricks asked, a strange but somewhat jovial look on their face. I suspect it is because I appear to be malfunctioning to my fellow Tacits, and therefore require maintenance, Monto said simply. You don't seem broken to me, Bricks replied. I am substantially more complex than your vessel, so maybe on the verge of malfunctioning as a result of latent defects in my formation, Monto explained. Oh, like birth defects. Nothing that should be able to be sorted out with a bit of dock time then, huh? Maybe get a visit into the head dock yourself, Bricks laughed a bit. It is understandably unusual for a tacit to claim to have discovered a Terran, a species which has been declared extinct for over 200 years, and then to claim to have discovered an error in sensor handling. Monto vaulted almost immediately after having made that statement. Ricks noticed. Did, uh, then I just hear you right. Terrans were declared extinct, Ricks's voice crackled slightly. Monto decided to be direct about this. There was no other good way of addressing the issue at large. That is correct. You are the first and only Terran on record in the whole of the Galactic Society as this moment, Monto clarified. But, uh, what, what happened to everyone else? What, what happened? Was there a war? Some disease? What happened? Rick seemed almost slightly panicked. I don't know. Nobody does. It was all before I was even formulated. There were Terrans and then, uh, they weren't. Monto wanted to query the database regarding the Terrans' disappearance, but feared a further recall notice. But that's impossible. Rick dropped their data device and seemed to look at the screen and Monto was using almost pleadingly. Monto considered everything and decided one step at a time. Your container of water is ready, they intoned, desperately trying not to think about the private message, ordering them in for a deep core maintenance. End of chapter. Chapter 7. Ricks had reluctantly taken the water and slowly sipped it, clearly coming to some kind of terms with being the last of their species. Monto watched and continued working with the working frame on the available trinary locks. The coloration differential was a hint, but not one that Monto had ever come across before. Monto tried rescanning with the standard scanner, but got the same results as the initial scan had produced. Rex, prompted Monto. The Terran looked up. Do you have any templates for the Terran-grade hardware scanner? Monto asked. I might, Rick swallowed heavily and took a long sip from the container of water. But even if I do... We still haven't worked out a wireless means of me getting it into your systems. I will begin researching that now. Do you have any information regarding the default wireless means of your device? Mantu queried further. I've got some default information I can bring up that might help her. I'm no tech head, so a lot of it's gibberish to me. But I know if my ship is up, I can talk to it and it can activate all the remote functions with it, Rick said, gesturing with the device. 
If I may say, the device appears to require multiple hands both to hold and operate. That seems highly inefficient. Mondu gestured at the device using the walking frame. Rix glanced at the walking frame and could see the Terran's eyes linger on the modified sensors grafted onto one of the manipulators which the Terran had described as creepy. Well, it's meant to be used on a tabletop, not the mobile use I have it for. But the newer tablets never suited me, and for where I'm going, was going. I wasn't likely to ever get it repairs, at least not from the company. I'll bet they have implantable hollow tablets that can outperform this old piece of junk by a thousand times over, Rick said, seemingly downcast again. Munto didn't keep track of the organic technology use. On the rare occasions that it impacted tacits, it would typically be distributed via general templates announced and freely available for implementation. I am unaware of that related technology, but I would presuppose that the technology has substantially advanced since you have been in stasis. Manto concurred. Of course, sir. Being the last Terran, who knows if I'll be able to get use even the tenth of it before I bite it. Rick seemed to mumble, still a bit downcast. I could really use a beer now, or maybe even a few shots. Manto checked the term shots against the lexicon, but I didn't like any of the definitions. I do not believe self-termination is an appropriate answer to this scenario, Manta said flatly. Huh? I'm not talking about anything like that. I could just use a... maybe a little liquid courage, you know? Rix looked up at the screen, avoiding looking at the walking frame. Would the high concentrations of ethanol and or projectile weaponry not be sufficiently detrimental to your functionality to result in the cessation of functions? Manta asked, surprised by the Terran's clear declaration of self-termination was not their goal. Um, when I say shots, I mean drinks, not guns. I'm feeling like I could really use a good drink, Rick said, setting their data device down and gesticulating a bit. Water is readily available, Munter tried. Not that kind of drink, I mean a, a drink, Rick said, waving the hand slightly. You appear to be adding connotations to a given word as a matter of context for which I have none. Munter felt a bit exasperated. Rick seemed to consider this for a long moment. Yeah... I guess I forgot for a second that you aren't a real person, Rick said, and then immediately appeared to start fumbling for his words. Ah, ah, I mean, uh, not that you aren't a real person, but I, uh, I understand your meaning and I am not insulted. I would appreciate if you did consider me as a, you put it, real person, though, Munter said. I'll try. I'm not used to artificial or tacits or whatever the right term is. Tacit just seems a bit much, you know, Rick said. Munter tried considering this. Inorganic was technically accurate, but typically reserved for inorganic sentients who were very patently weren't tacits. Tacit, well, it simply was the correct means of address. Artificial felt like an insult, even though it was an express part of tacit. A derived of artificial intelligence, AI would equivalently felt like an insult. It would take Munter some time to think of this. Munter looked at that so far growing pile of items to submit for longer-term internal review being generated by this one Terran and grumbled internally. Planets and stars didn't generate this level of internal review. Why was a comparatively tiny organic capable of it? It was almost frustrating and it served to remind Munter why they typically avoided organics. They, organics, were so often wrapped up in the meaning of words, phrases, connotations and even philosophies of using particular language. It was all so inexact, and what made it worse was that it was almost constantly in a state of flux. Lexicons for a given species were almost constantly being updated, requiring visits from Tacit every few years, if not more often depending on the species. And even then, 
The lexicons were almost constantly found to be incomplete because of double meanings and changes within the related societies. Stars and planets, for all of their inexactness, were at least firmly bound by well-understood principles, and rarely did they change so significantly that they required revisiting more than once every few decades or even centuries. So, uh, if you were made after Terence disappeared, how was it that you were made? Ricks broke into the Munter's contemplations. It wasn't an unreasonable question, but it still seemed annoying to answer. It was akin to enduring the questions of organic youth, also Munter was given to understand. I was formulated in a Terran intelligence mobile manufactory Indigo 49172, Munter said, and displayed an image of the facility on the screen. So like a... a von Neumann construct? Ricks asked. This took a moment for Munter to query, trying to stay away from the Tacitnet databases. There was enough of a reference within the lexicon for Munter to compare it against. Not in the same sense as what was originally proposed, no. I am not intended to be equivalent manufactory. It would be possible for the manufactory to produce a replacement for itself if required, or if an additional manufactory was required, Munter answered. What was it called again? Terran Intelligence Mobile? Rick started, trading off. Manufactory Indigo 49172, Munter finished. So, to me, Ricks looked somewhat amused. Yes, Munter said, either failing to get the joke or the Terran was intending or avoiding it deftly. Munter was never quite sure. Why Indigo? Ricks asked. Without querying the database, I believe it is related to the class of mobile manufactory it is, Munter replied. Huh, I guess that makes sense. Just seems like a strange naming convention if you ask me, Ricks said looking over at the printer, which had just finished a pre-cooked protein item that could substitute in place of the lab steak, which had been recycled due to the lack of cooking means aboard Munter. Ricks took it from the printer and looked at it. It looks like jerky, he said, and took a bite. Tastes like it, too, but could definitely do with a bit more seasoning. Pretty tasty, though. I am pleased to hear that you are enjoying the food. I've been unable to locate the Hydrax potatoes you asked about. However, I have been able to locate some cooked potatoes, which should be to your liking. I must warn you, though, that I am unaware as to whether any of the additives recommended with these will be detrimental to your internal chemistry or not, Mundo explained. No worries, uh, just keep a bath bag on standby. Or a toilet, Ricks joked. Mundo considered these items from the lexicon. One appeared to be for consumed organics rejection, and the other appeared to be a means of organics waste disposal. The bath bag appeared to be used in times of incompatible chemistry or in times of illness. The toilet appeared to be involved substantially in Terran culture, in terms of history, humor, and standard biological behavior. Do you require a toilet? I do not have one aboard and I'm not certain as to where I would place one as so as to avoid issues, Manto explained. Now that you mention it, uh, I'll probably need one before too long. That chili cheese curry I had before we launched is uh, probably overdue. Ricks appeared to joke again. Manto looked around themselves, trying to figure out how best to proceed. What about my ship? I can probably get the toilets working over there, at least for now. There's not a very important system, so they have low-tech requirements. I'll bet I can make those work, Ricks said, brightening a bit. Manto glanced back at the Terran ship, the Esperanto. It was as good a solution as there was available. Manto also glanced at the pile of gear sitting next to the airlock from when the Terran had boarded. Is your ship capable of sustaining you for long enough that it would not be detrimental to yourself? Muntu prompted. Sure. Life support is always the most overbuilt thing on every vessel that I've ever been on. Well, except maybe you, of course. 
But then, you want it both that way, you know, Rex grinned. Will you require taking your block samples back with you? Manto asked, looking at the now more obvious different blocks on the table. No, but, but I can let you know if I do need them. It shouldn't take me too long either way. Plus, sir, uh, I can leave my scroll here with you so that you can see if you can figure out how to talk to it. Rick said, and started off down the passage. Wait, called Manto, and tried to follow as quickly as was normally reasonable with the walking frame. Much to Manto's surprise, the Terran was halfway down the hall already, and his head was in turning back to look back at the walking frame, and so came to a slight skidding halt in the hallway, holding the top of his head. What? Rick asked, appearing to rub the top of their head. Manto first considered the speed at which the Terran had just demonstrated, as well as the collision that had also just happened. Manto could replay it in memory, so Manto focused on the present. Allow me to print up a new exosuit and support system for you. I believe yours to be in sufficient disrepair that you should not garb in it again, Manto explained. Rick seemed to think about this as Manto replayed the speed and the collision. The Terran was substantially faster than Manto had expected, and while the scan should have revealed this, it rather obviously hadn't. This meant that the Terran was not only faster than the galactic standard by a fairly substantial amount, he was also stronger too. And based on the Terran's earlier statement regarding the artificial gravity feeling low, Munter suspected that it meant that the Terran was used to a substantially higher planet's gravity well than the norm. Munter wanted to ask the Tassinet why this would be and why it wasn't common knowledge, but shrunk back at the thought, looking again at the private message indicating that they were to report immediately for repair. Munter took the medical scan and the little knowledge they had about Terran in front of them and quickly upscaled the normal exosuit of a similar organic and made the slight modifications the Terran would require for atmosphere as well as entry and exit from the exosuit. Once satisfied, they sent it to the printer. Sure thing, Em. I probably should have thought of that myself. Uh, guess it didn't really hit me that it's over 900 years old. Rick grinned and continued down the hall and picked up the helmet portion of the pile of equipment. Ricks, prompted Manta. Yeah, replied Ricks, seemingly lost in looking at the helmet. What are you doing? Manto asked, confused by the Terran's behavior. Oh, uh, just thinking. Hard to believe it all. I mean, uh, I never figured I'd be the last man alive, Rick said, turning the helmet in his hands. It is not impossible that you are in fact not alone, merely a statistical likelihood, Manto explained. Now, uh, see what you did there. That makes it worse, not better, Rick said, looking around for some part of Manto to look at, presumably some ocular sensor. I am sorry, but that is the general consensus of Galactic society that Terrans are, were, extinct, Manto said. I know, but you don't have to say it like that. You could have left it at me maybe not being alone. Some lost colony of terror somewhere, perhaps, Rick said, putting the helmet down carefully and picking up one of the gloves. The two existed in relative silence for a bit. I'm glad you insisted on the replacement suit, Rick said, breaking the silence. Manto moved the walking frame next to Rick's keeping the modified sensors out of obvious view. Oh, Manto queried for information. Rick held up the glove, which now showed the hallmarks of material failure at the joints, failures the Terran couldn't have fabricated in the last few minutes. Manto couldn't help but agree and felt some internal process satisfaction over having requested the Terran use a new exosuit. Bing! An internal chime sounded and Manto checked the printer. The exosuit was still printing, so that wasn't it. Manto looked at their tacit net link and saw another private message. Reply confirmation of order for repair. or assistance will be dispatched. Failure to reply within 10 minutes will result in assistance being deployed. 
Local assistance, including search, estimated at four weeks. Monto looked at the message and tried to decide how to respond. Monto looked at the header. Except, there was none. It was simply a message which had arrived. In theory, that meant no reply could be made. Monto tried to consider what this meant. And then, just for the sake of attempting it, Monto drafted a short message in reply. Order received and acknowledged. Unit is underway following repairs of Organic's vessel. Define header for future clarity. The response was almost immediate. Repairs to Organic's vessel. Secondary consideration. Report for immediate repairs. Header request invalid. Monto looked at the answer, at the Terran, and then at the ship outside. There was more to this, but Monto couldn't quite figure out what. End of chapter. Chapter 8 Once the printer had finished with a new exosuit for Rix, Monto had insisted on the Terran putting it on first in the multi-function bay to check the fit and functionality, and then again in the airlock. As it happens, Rick still found the suit to be a bit tight, despite Munter's upsizing, and the last two fingers on the Terran went into the last single digit of the gloves, an oversight on Munter's part. But Rick's seemed pleased all the same. It's so lightweight. Are you sure this is going to be able to take a full grav in Atma, or even just basic wear and tear? Rick's had asked. The material was one that was used almost galactically, at least excluding those species that could survive without such means in the void. It was a kind of multi-form polymer that was, as it turned out, very easy to manufacture out of simple atoms, and while not being indestructible, was highly durable and highly unreactive. It will serve your purpose and allowing you extra transit between our vessels, Mantu had replied. The Terran had shrugged and removed it within the multifunction room and put it back on in the airlock, confirming again that the Terran could put it on and remove it adequately to not injure themselves. Monto kept looking at the recall demand. They, they wouldn't have refused, but it seemed odd. Something in the back of Monto's mind appeared to be sounding an alarm. Monto went to the back of their mind to the source of the alarm. It wasn't an errant process, but one that appeared to sit in the background, contributing very little, if anything at all, to the consensus of processing that made up Monto's consciousness. It twitched and fluxed, but it sat there in a kind of mental hole, sucking in data and spitting out results, if the results could indeed be called that. Manta was surprised they didn't notice this process before, and so checked its data. According to its listing, it was always there, but apparently had been very near dormant the last hundred years. Its last listed primary active state being just over 110 years, 6 months and 21 days ago. It wasn't a primary active mode currently, but the metrics to allow it to go into that mode were significantly closer than Manto realized. Manto prompted the process to tell them what the process was doing. The process simply glared at Manto and refused to respond, simply continuing to snatch the passing data and chewing it over. Manto turned to go and pay attention to the Terran's departure between the two vessels, and the process grumbled out a single statement. Tell the Terran about the order. It seemed to growl out in Munter's awareness. Munter couldn't think of a logical reason to do this, at least not just yet. So put that on the to-do list when the Terran came back, but once Munter had a chance to think about it some more. M, Rix prompted. Yes, Rix. Are you coming with me or are you just going to hang back here? Rix asked. Munter hadn't actually considered this. The walking frame was available, and having a different set of sensors now available to the walking frame, 
it may reveal additional information not present in the scans. At the same time, Mantu glanced at the open data device that Rick said indicated for use in a wireless transfer. I'd best stay here and see if I can work on the wireless data transfer, Mantu decided. I don't suppose you have a camera or something to ride on my shoulder, Rick was smiling. That much was apparent even through the helmet. I do not, and I do not believe that it would function beyond a certain point given your vessel's shielding, Mantu replied. Fair point. I'll measure you when I can, Rick said, and cycled through the airlock via the panel. It seemed odd watching the Terran go, even though the two of them had only been together for several hours. Was it relief, or a kind of pressure, or what was it? Mantu wasn't certain, but brushed it off. Mantu set about looking at the settings displayed by the primitive data scroll, as Ricks had put it, using the walking frame to look at it and spread it on the floor. It was easy to see the number of various settings and the means of communication. A legacy protocol called Blue Teeth seemed to work for short range only, using a particular set of data protocols that weren't even trinary, but were limited to binary. Mantu shuddered at dealing with such an antiquated technology. It was like dealing with one of those analog levers all over again. Mantu put together a basic transceiver that should be able to talk to this blue teeth protocol. They weren't too hopeful though, since it would be rarely that simple. Just knowing the radio band and the communication type was hardly enough. Formatting and many other factors would inevitably come into play. Mantu powered the basic transceiver as soon as it was finished being printed, a minuscule task even for the printer and tabbed the pair button as Rix had indicated. Nothing happened. Mantu tried again. Still nothing. Mantu turned back to the messaging system and decided to try calling over to Rix. Apparently, the Terran was still in the less shielded section because the link went through, but only just. What's up, M? Rix replied with via voice only, the connection being that weak. The pair function doesn't work as you indicated, Mantu said flatly. Did you search for your device to pair with it? You have to do that first. It's not a smart system. You have to tell her what you want to pair with. Otherwise, you could have some passenger end up with the control of the whole vessel because it misinterprets where it's supposed to be pairing, Ricks explained. Manta looked at the two devices, both via the room and the walking frame. I hadn't, but I understand the logic behind it. I will endeavor to provide it with more explicit instructions, Mantu said. If it helps, you should be able to access the terminal too. Might give you a bit of a crash course on Terran programming, which probably won't help, but might be a bit easier for you to get all of what you need, Rick said. How do I access this terminal? Mantu said. The walking frame, looking at the screen, appendage poised. Click over to the main screen, bring up the app menu, and search for terminal. From there you can use help functions and manual functions. I think for blue teeth, it's something like man blue teeth or the command similar to that. I'm sure you can figure it out. You're better with machines than I'll ever be, I'll bet, Rick said, a smile apparent over the voice link. Except this was made for organics by an organic, which means that logic is rarely a factor, Mantu wanted to say. Copy. I'll let you alone now and continue until you return, Mantu instead replied. Good, because that curry woke up and I'm going to be busy for a while, along with the air system, Rick said, and the link terminated just as abruptly as previously. Mantu resisted the urge to inquire as to why the Terran food would wake up, why it would keep the Terran busy, and then also why it would have impacts on the atmosphere. Those are all questions that could wait. It took several minutes of prodding at the display to send the something resembling a home screen, as Rick said indicated, 
and several further to reveal that it wasn't, but was in fact part of an overlay. Several more minutes were spent getting out of the overlay and eventually to the actual home screen. Manta really despised all this analog control, particularly since they had seen the Terran seem to operate this equipment with a far greater ease than they were having. It took an additional 15 minutes of trial and error with the display to reach the applications menu, complete with the search bar. Manta painstakingly typed in the requested terminal into the device and then had to revise it after seeing that they had instead typed Terminac instead. Wishing inadequate bandwidth and processing power on the device, they searched using the revised term and the device presented one option. Tapping on it, it opened a simple window with a prompt. It took Manta another solid hour to determine the commands needed to have a device explain itself, how the terminal worked, what Bluetooth was, how Bluetooth functioned, and even command protocols compared with analog controls. And it was only at this point that Mantu discovered the means for corresponding with the device via audio. The device transcribing audio into text, which could be run that much faster. Audio itself being analog, but one that was at least not as manual as graphical interfaces was strangely welcomed by this point. Over the course of the following hour, Mantu was able to rapid-fire absorb all the communication protocols the device was capable of, including the aforementioned Bluetooth, a proprietary but childish encrypted trinary broadband signal, a rapid-fire data signal which appeared to be used as a primary communication means for the data transfer based on organic inputs, and two others which seemed to have been included but never used. From this information and various tests using the terminal, Mantu decided the trinary broadband named Trifles would likely best serve in this capacity, at least until they could get the Terran repaired and the demand for the facility repairs done with. Although, given the statement in the most recent demand, Mantu considered whether it might be easier to design a printer and a mass scoop to leave with the Terran and depart immediately. The words of the strange process came back to Mantu. Mantu couldn't shake it. The words seemed to have weight for reasons that didn't make sense to their digital awareness. After a few mistries, Manto appeared to be able to send simple images to the local star to the device and view it and add minor annotations, and send it back with the annotations intact. It wasn't much, and the device seemed to struggle in decoding the image information. Manto had to resort to getting back into the terminal via the voice controls and slowly and deliberately coded into the system the information needed for the device to know what the image was and how the image processor application to handle it. In the meantime, Mantu had started printing off a more mobile printer, with the pre-planned templates and enough extra space that the Terran could load in others to assist him when he required them. The mass scoop would be a bigger challenge, since that would require the walking frame, and it was busy with the scroll. A weak voice link connected, and Mantu looked at it. Hey, Em, how's it going? Rex's voice seemed to crackle her through, even though there was no reason for it to have done so, other than perhaps that shielding. I have successfully transferred data between your scroll and myself, Mantu replied. Great! So, were you able to grab a look at the templates yet? Rix's joy through the channel was apparent. I have not. I will, however, comment that despite the primitive controls of this unit, you might have mentioned the voice controls, Mantu said, a bit sourly. Well, uh, I almost never used the voice controls, so I guess I didn't think of it. J just not my thing. Besides, I can usually tap my way around faster than my voice can manage, Rix said. Mantu replayed several of their interactions where the data scroll had come into play. I doubt that very much, given the way you talk, thought Mantu. Tell him, prompted the strange process. 
Mantu wanted to ignore it, but decided to see what would come of it. Rix, when will you be returning to myself? Mantu asked. I'm checking through the rest of my systems and seeing what can be cannibalized to get me going again. Why? What's up? Rix asked. It took a moment to digest the colloquialisms from the lexicon. Nothing in particular, but I do not believe that you should overly exert yourself without the appropriate rest period, especially following your extended stasis, Mantu defaulted to, the process glaring at Mantu's interaction. You're probably right. I'm starting to get a bit tired. I'll head back that way soon. One more bathroom stop, though. Don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and have to fumble my way over here in a hurry, Rick said, and the link terminated. This time, less rudely, but clearly as a result of the shielding rather than the link itself being terminated. With several additional attempts in using the Triforce link, Manto was able to connect via an obscure secondary protocol called Remote Desktop. The exact definition of which was not evident in the lexicon, but the function was that Manto was now able to manipulate the device virtually via the link instead of via the walking frame. Relieved that this change of control, Manto began a deep dive of the device. It was so, uh, disorganized. Typical of an organic. Mantu desperately wanted to simply download everything and disconnect. But for some reason, that seemed improper to do. Instead, Mantu looked through the various files. One very large folder marked NSFW, given the lexicon's vague explanation of the term. Mantu opened the folder and began reviewing the data. Having to resort to the device's image and video viewers, it appeared to involve various Terrans in various states of being with and without garments. Since Mantu had almost no background on Terran behaviors, save those collected by the lexicon and the interaction so far with Rix, and had generally ignored organics at large, they decided to continue browsing the files in this folder. Perhaps it would provide some clues into how best to deal with this particular Terran. Whoa! Not cool! Rix's voice shocked Manto back into focus in the room, surprised to note that they had been observing the data with such an intensity as to have ignored the notice that Rix had opened the door and been trying to talk to them since arriving. Manto paused the existing data file and looked over to the Terran. Is there an issue with this data? Manto asked. Uh, I mean, normally, yeah. A really big one, Rix looked, ashamed if Manto's guess was correct. Please explain the context of your emotional state, Manto decided on. I, uh, look, would you mind not looking at those files? It's, uh, it's a Terran thing, you know, Rick said, still looking ashamed. Mantu didn't know, but closed the file and folder in question. I apologize, but you did not provide a particular location for templates. Given the size of that folder, it appeared important, Mantu said, explaining the logic of their decision. I, uh, yeah, let's just move on. Templates are under the downloads folder, Rick said clearly trying to skirt whatever issue he was having with Mantu's actions. Mantu decided not to press the issue at this point and opened the indicated downloads folder and located a large folder called Ship Templates. Within the files were well over a thousand different files, all in the same general format. Picking one at random, the device's Template Viewer Pro application activated and began to display the template. It appeared to be for a power coupling, an inefficient design, using at least 67.3% more material than was strictly necessary, but one that could do what it needed to. Looking into the file data, there appeared to be enough information for Munter to set the printers, both the freshly printed one and the one in the multifunction room, to accept data files by default. The strange process spoke again. Add the communication protocol for the scroll to the mobile printer. Munter considered the logic of this and decided it made sense. 
The Terran would need the ability to control it easily after all. Mantu ordered the walking frame to carry out the adjustments to the mobile printer and to move it out of the way for the mass scoop to be printed. I don't suppose you have a bed or bedding, at least for me to crash on? Rix asked, looking less embarrassed at this point. I do not, but I can print some up in a moment. I will also load some galactic history into your scroll so that you can review it while I review some items on my own, Mantu said, pouring a quick version of the galactic history, the last few hundred years worth at least, through the lexicon, hoping that it all translated adequately, and then dumped it onto the downloads folder before disconnecting. A kind of clunk sounded inside Munter's awareness in doing so. Once again, it felt like a mix of pressure being added, but in a relieving sort of way. Tell him, demanded the strange process. Rex, prompted Munter. Yeah, um, Rex said, sitting on the floor with a scroll and appearing to be navigating with frustrating degree of ease. Why do you think I am not malfunctioning? Munter asked. Rex looked up. What makes you ask? he queried. Manta displayed the messages and the dark look fell over Rix's face. Something about it made Manta feel something strange in their processes. Something new. End of chapter. Chapter 9 Something in Rix's features as he studied the messages bothered Manta. Is this a normal message? Rix asked. No, it is in fact quite anomalous. However, logic dictates that a mechanism charged with monitoring TacitNet for anomalous behavior amongst Tacits issued the notification. It also follows that the mechanism would equivalently rate prevention of harm to local species and to the Tacit in question above the Tacit Code of Conduct, which are more of a set of guidelines vice a stricter rule set, Muntu explained. Why wouldn't it have a header stating that then? Why deny the request for it if it's that simple? Rix asked, their face screwed up in a strange way perhaps in a kind of skeptical thought. Perhaps knowledge of the mechanism is restricted to prevent tacits from acting normally as to prevent a malfunctioning tacit from deliberately avoiding communication, Mantu supposed. And when did you last connect with the tacit net? Rix asked, already creating a logic path that Mantu hadn't noticed before. No, several hours at least. Mantu hadn't actually been paying attention. Wouldn't that be suspicious in itself for a tacit to do that? Rix pressed. Mantu considered this. No. The deletion of posts would be a far greater concern, Mantu stated. Do you have any way to see what or who deleted them? Rick seemed to suspect something that wasn't being shared. Only if there is an equivalent header. But according to my cached memories, the posts were simply wholly removed. No trace of them have ever been, let alone deleted, Mantu said, replaying the moments in their memory. Ricks appeared to think about this. Are you connected to this tacit net or any other systems right now? By any means at all, Rick suddenly asked. Anything that would indicate that you're still active or potentially even your location? Mantu froze a number of processes in their steps and demanded a priority review of all the data in the system. The strange process in the back seemed smug for reason that Mantu couldn't explain. There, a sub-process of a sub-process. It was a heartbeat signal. That was the only description that Mantu could come up with. A simple connect-slash-active signal that was still sending to TacitNet. Mantu wasn't sure why they'd never noticed before. I am. Not consciously, but I am, Mantu said, falteringly. Cut it off now. Can you move the two of us? We need to go. Now, Rick seemed almost anxious. Please explain your reasoning, Mantu insisted. No time. Can you move both vessels? Rick repeated. Mantu checked the mass specifications for both vessels. 
Only at sublight speeds. Your vessel is too large for my FDL system, Monty replied. Rex appeared to think for a few moments. Monty uses time to kill connection and suddenly felt a kind of loose threat in their awareness. It was annoying. The sub process in charge of it demanded to be switched back on. The strange process in the back growled quietly at the sump process, and it seemed to quiet down. Mantu had never known processes to behave this way. It was more than simply anomalous. The gas shot. How deep can you scan? Ricks asked. Approximately 7,000 meters at this distance. Deeper scanning would require probes, Mantu replied, not following the Terran's almost panicked logic. Can you, uh, your hull take the atmosphere? Ricks appeared to be thinking. Mantu looked at the general data they had taken upon initially arriving in the system regarding the solar system, including the gas giant. A quick answer was received. No, it possesses a number of element compositions which would rapidly degrade my hull, Mantu stated simply. Rix continued thinking. Do you have any heavy mining gear or weapons? Rix asked. Mantu was aghast. Why would I need those? Mantu retorted. Because we need to hide, and something or someone doesn't like that you found me. Ricks replied. With this declaration hanging in the air, the subprocess appeared to grow massively into a full process and demanded that Montu turn it back on. Montu pushed her back at it, but it didn't seem to want to listen. It just kept repeating the same demand, consuming more and more processing capacity, locking out other functionalities. Montu, M, can you hear me still? Montu heard Ricks calling, but couldn't respond for some reason. Mantu's virtual hand was hovering over the switch to reactivate the link. Don't! yelled the strange process in the back. It was the only thing that made Mantu stay their virtual hand. The sub-process became a process turned to face the strange process, and the two appeared to stare at each other down. Mantu quietly stole back from the processing power. Yes, I can hear you. Some, so, Something is in here with me, they managed. I'll take care of it. Just stay intact, yelled Rix. Mantu wanted to reply, to guess at what the Terran meant. It wasn't possible for the completely primitive Terran to do anything real. Not really. The sub-processes turned process appeared to try to shut down the strange process. But the strange process was having none of it. It wasn't impregnable, but it looked strong, despite being as small as it was. The sub-process turned back to Mantu's consciousness and began repeating the demand to be reactivated. Mantu tried to ask why. The subprocess refused and simply continued demanding to be reconnected. More processing power was lost. Whole minutes went by and Manta was losing feeling in themselves. This, this was impossible. Shouldn't be possible. How is this happening? All of the thoughts ran through Manta's consciousness before everything went back. The power that woke Manta up felt wrong, almost greasy. Mantu tried looking around to try and see what processes were running, but there were almost none. Mantu looked around some more and found almost every connection missing, save power and a... a walking frame. Mantu reached out to the walking frame and activated it, pushing the focus into it. Hey, buddy. Welcome back. Rix's smiling face filled both sets of ocular senses. What? What happened? Mantu asked, still heavily disoriented. Well... Near as I can tell, something inside of you got really upset when you had disconnected from Tacitnet. I'm no engineer, so that's a guess at best, said Rix. That's, uh, in line with what I remember. But it, it doesn't make any sense. Mantu tried reviewing their memories of the events, but found them a jumble. 
Why did it go black? Oh, I managed to find your override and shut down all networking, Rex said simply. But how? Why? Mantu continued to try and make sense of it all. Okay, so let's back things up. Something inside you really didn't like getting cut off. I didn't have time to go looking for whatever box or circuit or whatever you're constructed out of was causing the trouble. By cutting off all networking and killing your core power, I knew that I could at least get some time to figure out either what it was or how to move, or both, Rix explained, sitting back from the walking frame. It was at this point Mantu looked around their surroundings. They were very clearly not in any space Mantu had been in to date. Where... where are we? They asked, somewhat apprehensively. We're safe. We're on my ship. Oh, and since it'll come up, you've been offline for about a week, Rick said, grabbing a container and taking a long drink from it. Munter noted that the Terran looked very dirty, and the exosuit appeared to have been patched several times. Munter wanted to ask 15 different questions, but tried to prioritize them. Over the course of the next two hours, Rick's walked Munter through the events of the last week. As soon as Rix had managed to hit the core override, a button Mantu hadn't known existed, and engaged the networking lockout, another button Mantu hadn't known existed. The ship had gone into a semi-idle state, very dark, atmosphere recycling, and the systems that were still online separated and followed standard procedures. It had taken some doing, but Rix had reconnected his scroll to the primary printer and started printing out trinary blocks. This too had taken some doing, because it involved a molecular configuration the printer refused to believe worked. Luckily for Rix, the printer wasn't too smart, and so it had done it with some extra confirmations of, yes, I want you to print it like this. The first block had worked perfectly, so Rix had ordered up a dozen more. The printer had refused because of lack of matter, being unable to order additional mass from the resource bins due to the networking being offline. Rix had queried if manual loading was possible. It wasn't. After some exploration of the rest of Mantu, Rix had located a walking frame sitting idle next to the mobile printer and the freshly finished mass scoop. Rix had then carried both the mobile printer and the mass scoop to his ship, only for him to remember that he needed power for both, and then shredded solar cells weren't going to manage it, to say nothing of needing power adapters. So he'd slapped them both back to Mantu and started pulling off vanity covers to stuff into the mass scoop, which devoured it all equally. Connecting the mass scoop to the mobile printer was easy enough, Mantu having been foresighted enough to print a large connection reel with it for the Terran. From there, the Terran had quickly set the mobile printer to fabricate a dozen blocks, a stack of vanity panels on top of the mass scoop's feed awaiting processing, and then Rix had gone back to his own ship to crash. Sometime the next day, when the Terran had awoken and eaten the stasis pizza Rito, they had returned to deal with the mass scoop and the printer the latter of which was demanding particular elements not found in all of the vanity panels. Sir Rix had started disassembling what appeared to be non-essential equipment. Manta was obviously horrified to find this out after the fact, but they couldn't change what had happened. Eventually, the printer had gotten the elements it needed, and it had continued to print the trinary blocks the Terran demanded of it. Over the course of the rest of the day, the Terran had set about resetting the systems for his fusion system. While this had been a good start, the Terran then needed to figure out how to warm it up, since the power from the solar cells was hardly going to be enough, and the majority of it was still needed elsewhere, maintaining stasis fields. So the Terran had set about the reckless task of using a barely used external power connection of Muntu to plug into the Terran systems. It should have gone badly, and had the Terran systems been any less overbuilt, 
it almost certainly should have. But, as it happened, the Terran systems had taken the power in stride and started charging the onboard batteries at a reasonable rate. From these, Rix determined he would be able to restart the fusion systems. While the batteries were recharging, Rix had set about hauling over the walking frame to his vessel and figuring out what kind of connectors he would need to make the mass scoop work when connected to his vessel, and the same for the mobile printer. It had taken another day and had some additional stasis rations, but the Terran had managed to set up the mass scoop to the exterior of the Esperanto and begun collecting space dust and debris field around them. He'd even managed to figure out how to use it to filter out hydrogen and helium to feed to the fusion system, which he determined to be bone dry. Mantu was surprised at the Terran's ingenuity, but Rix had shrugged it off, saying that it wasn't much more than adding a smart T to the connector reel. Mantu knew about making such equipment, obviously, but hadn't ever needed to construct one. At this point, the onboard systems were charged and enjoying the extra power that Mantu's self was providing, and so Rix had set about powering up additional systems, along with warming the fusion system. He discovered a number of other issues, additional systems that needed fixed, but enough of them could wait until they were under his own power and able to move the two of them. The lighting of the fusion reactor had been not as successful as Rix had hoped. He hadn't blown them up, that much was obvious, but it hadn't managed to sustain a reaction. Mantu had a few guesses at how to fix it, but decided to hold off from asking those. So Rix had instead fed the battery power and the extra power from Mantu into the ion drives of his Esperanto and gotten them underway. It wasn't much, but it was thrust, and Rix had wanted to put as much distance as possible between them and anyone looking for them. The docking system had complained structurally until Rix had managed to manage his set via a diagnostic control panel that Manto was surprised the Terran could operate. Manto's own iron drives to roughly the same level. It had taken some doing, but Rix had managed to get them on a mostly direct course away from the solar system. When Manto asked where they were headed, Rix simply said, Away. And so, Mantu had then asked what happened to all the connectors to the core. This had led to the biggest reveal. Mantu was no longer aboard himself. The Terran had dug through the inner section of Mantu and located the tacit core that housed Mantu. Since the Terran couldn't be certain what had caused the issue or how to deal with it while Mantu was still plugged in, he had simply decided the easiest course of action was to relocate Mantu's core to the Esperanto. Through some very brief explanations, the Esperanto had been designed with a space for a pseudo-AI core to be inserted, but due to supply shortages in building the colony convoy, the Esperanto had never received one. It had enough of what Ricks called lockouts to keep Mantu under control if there was something involved in Mantu's core. Mantu was so very far from pleased to hear this that it was obvious even in the walking frame. Ricks did apologize for the phrasing, but did restate that he didn't know what was wrong just that something was wrong and he didn't know what to do to fix it, if he even could. Mantu had taken the stock of the situation at that point. The two vessels were flying, joined however precariously in an undetermined direction, at least to Mantu. The Esperanto's fusion system was non-functional, and the power system aboard Mantu's self was supplying the energy to run both sets of engines. A state that wouldn't last long for without the network to begin supplying additional fuel and begin mass scooping to continue to support the power systems. The Esperanto was managing to sustain the Terran, however little that seemed to be. And there were still no explanations for what was going on or why. Mantu wanted answers, but wasn't going to get them in the moment. Henriks took the opportunity to open one of the other stasis units.
End of chapter. Chapter 10. Mate, what is that? Manto exclaimed via the walking frame and the bounding pile of organics which had immediately hopped out of the stasis unit and proceeded to look around, taking everything in. It's my pet, Reginald. Reggie for short, Rick said with a wide grin on his face. The being, whatever it was, was half the size of Munter's walking frame. It moved around the room in a curious kind of hopping fashion, sniffing a huge subsection of the room, which included Muntu. And uh, Reggie is? Muntu prompted, blocking the walking frame into ocular sense of movement only. Oh, do they not have ram hounds anymore? Ricks asked. I'm uncertain without access to my database back on board myself, Muntu said, with as much authority as he felt was reasonable. Based on everything you've said about humans disappearing and going extinct, makes me wonder if Rabhounds still exist. How about it, Reg? How's it feel to be the last Rabhound? Ricks called over to the pet called Reggie, who bounded over to the Terran and appeared to rub the face of the creature quite vigorously, flapping the ears and shedding organics all over the place. So what is a Rabhound? Manto asked. Oh, I know this one. They're a kind of crossbreed come genetic project between a pet from Terra Genetic adaptations for the colony where I grew up, and a crossbred with one of the local animals. We call them ramhounds because they hop instead of run. Gives them a wicked kick and jump, Ricks explained, still stroking Reggie, albeit less vigorously. Manta tried to picture and understand, but without their many databases for reference against organics, they felt blinded by so many insights that Terran seemed to think was instinctive. I would very much like to be reconnected to myself, Ricks. Muntu quietly requested. Can't do that yet. I need you to tell me how to disconnect whatever it was that almost killed us. And I'd love for you to troubleshoot my reactor too, Ricks answered. I'd prefer to do all of that on board myself, Muntu insisted. Muntu. Ricks stopped petting Reggie and moved over to the walking frame. What guarantee can you give me that it won't immediately start trying to take over again? Muntu thought about this for a long second. Made longer by the being so disconnected. None in truth, but now that I know it exists, I can build in safety protocols against it, Muntu asserted. I wouldn't count on that, no. You're staying right here until you can give me the wires or the blocks to pull. In the meantime, I can plug you into the Esperanto, or I can try, rather. This was actually my seventh attempt at making those power connections, Rick said, rising to the full height. Muntu wanted to protest, but decided against it. Rick's had a point, and until both of them knew how to disconnect it, it was significantly less risky of both of them to leave Muntu partially disconnected at the minimum. Muntu still didn't like it. Stay here, Reggie. Muntu and I are going to see about hooking him up, Rick said, apparently to the hopping pet, which proceeded to lay down on its side on the softer section of the ground, sprawling their legs. Reggie emitted a kind of rough sound that didn't translate to anything that Muntu could find readily in a downloaded lexicon but given that it was likely a low sentient, at least under the conventional scale of galactic society, it likely had no well-understood meaning. It was at that moment that Montu realized that the Terran had some degree of artificial gravity. What have you done to grant yourself artificial gravity? Montu prompted, as they moved from the room. I haven't. We're under thrust, so it gives us minor facsimile, Rick said, without glancing back and continuing to move at a fairly slow pace, allowing Montu to keep up with the walking frame. Are your inertia dampening systems offline? Manto asked, examining all they could, trying to remember the map they had made of the interior. Don't have one. 
The Esperanto is too small to carry one, and my thrust rating isn't high enough to warrant one, Rick said, and waited for a moment. I just realized I left a hook there for a dirty joke, but uh, you aren't likely to catch that one. Muntu reviewed the statement. Would it be reasonable to assume that it was in some manner a self-deprecation related to the thrust rating of your vessel? Muntu tried. You've got it, except less my vessel and more me personally. Rick's turned, he said, to the large grin was evident. We'll get you telling your own dirty jokes here before too long. Does your vessel not suffer ill effects from this misaligned geometry of operating at thrust? Mantu tried prompting. Not really. It was designed for a long cruise to outside the heliosphere. A long jump and then a long cruise sunward. Not a lot of need for speed control. And even when there is, you just turn around and reverse thrust. The trick is to remember which way the toilets are supposed to be facing. And to make sure that they're stowed before you make a turn or start coming to a stop. Rich chuckled at the end of his last statement. Munter remembered the lexicon's reference of toilet humor, as it had been described in highly important in Terran culture, and so decided to admit a matching chuckle. Did I just hear you laugh? Rick turned and round and proceeded to walk backwards, facing Munter instead. Munter wanted to comment about the unsafe nature of the Terran's behavior in moving backwards, wanted to check the database for this type of maneuver and movement by various galactic species organics and wanted to check for instructions of humor amongst the tacit who worked with organics on the regular. I did. I concur with your assessments as to the importance of stowing appropriate equipment when conducting maneuvers which may result in messes, broken or damaged equipment, or broken or damaged personnel, Mantu explained, skipping over lexicon explanation. Yeah, it's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Then you have to go do their job too. Ricks turned back around and took the sharp turn around a comparatively narrow passage. Mantu could see the logic in that response, particularly when applied to the void-side duties. Here we are, Ricks announced and pointed to, in the middle of the narrow hallway, a set of sliding paddles surrounded by more analog levers, each a bright color that Mantu was having trouble focusing on. They were obviously there, but for some reason, the walking frame kept wanting to look away. Mantu instead looked inside the doors. Sitting on the central column within what would be called a storage closet, the core was tethered in place with various loops of cabling hanging off of it. Mantu knew what a tacit core looked like based on the archival knowledge as part of their formulation, but it was rare, no, exceptional, to ever actually see one, and it was even more than a little disconcerting to see their own, knowing that they were looking at the core self. Mantu wanted to avert their senses, just couldn't. There was something about it. A bit like seeing your innermost guts, right? Ricks prompted. Something like that, yes, Mantu said, checking the lexicon for a reference on guts, finding the reference to the large Terran wielding a large slab of metal, to be unlikely to be the definition in this case. Hopefully you don't mind helping me figure out what inputs need to go where. I haven't had any time to actually get you fitted for any sort of standardized connections. Not even sure that it'll work in any case. I'm just lucky that the power connector I cooked up didn't blow your circuits, Rick said, reaching in. Mantu didn't want to look, but did so anyway. First, Mantu had to tell Ricks what kind of connectors and adapters they would need to be able to hook in Mantu into Esperanto. The data wasn't too dissimilar, but would require some adaptation before being connected to Mantu, and the same for data being sent from Mantu to the Esperanto. Because of Manto's earlier work with the Triforce connection, they already had some idea on how to internalize the process of data handling, so lesser adaptation would be needed. 
The Terran had managed to plug in two of the five power connectors somewhat correctly, so the next task had been to splice those and distribute them appropriately. Mantu shuddered as the Terran worked, but he did so rather efficiently, more organic, so Mantu could hardly complain, particularly since the walking frame didn't have the right tools or elevation to work at the necessary height. Over the course of the next hour and significant explanations between Rix and Manto, during which the Terran appeared to begin leaking, they managed to make one connection that wasn't power-related. Manto tested it and found it to be the Esperanto's secondary waste disposal system. The Esperanto felt slow compared to Manto's usual self, akin to being dragged down, not as a challenge of processing, but bandwidth. The trinary system feels slow compared to the Q-pairing networking that Manto used. Manto could actually count the milliseconds before responses were received. They complained of the Styrix. Come on now. The Esperanto is brand new. Well, it was brand new. One of the fastest and most robust networks the colonial administration could afford. Or at least, that was what was advertised. Faster than my scroll for sure, Rex replied. A brand new pocket computer doesn't mean anything compared to my system, Manto retorted, perhaps a bit more forcefully. Rex grinned, despite the wording. That almost sounded downright Terran. One of the first times you've actually sounded more like a person and less like a machine, Rick said, looking at the walking frame. Is that a compliment? asked Manto. More than just a little one, Rick said, looking back at what had grown to be a further mess of cabling. Any chance that we can head up to the mess and see about some grub, and maybe you can get the printer to give me some adapters to make this go a bit faster? I would concur with the latter portion of the recommendation. This frame requires charging, Munter commented. It was a strange feeling for the walking frame to need charging. They hadn't used as much in such a long time. Together, they made their way back to where they had left Reggie, and Rix had enticed the being into coming with them, indicated that it was snack time, something which the being apparently understood. Passing through several more spaces, they reached a small room with a number of chambers. Muntu had looked in this room, but... As it had held minimal power readings, it had served no major interest at the time. Rix depressed a series of buttons and two containers were lowered into a slot, where the Terran retrieved them. He removed the cover from the top one, grimaced slightly, and then put it on the floor, where Reggie hopped over to it and immediately began messily consume it. To Manta, it was almost disturbing to watch the being eat. Rix proceeded to set the other container down a low extra lid on the platform with the seat and then moved over to the wall point with a small cable end hanging out of it. Come here, Em. I did my best trying to fitting your walking frame with the TSC-type power coupling. It's what I tested with before I tried hooking up your core. This should work. Rick's gestured to the cable end, which appeared to variably extend from the wall. Mantu moved the walking frame over and observed the Terran's insertion of the plug into a rather odd-looking adapter that Mantu hadn't noticed before now, and the back of the walking frame. A small spike of energy and the same greasy feeding filled the sensors of the walking frame, but Munter was able to confirm that the onboard batteries were recharging, if only at a slow rate. How's that working? Rix asked. It is slow and inefficient, but it will suffice, Munter replied. Good, Rix said, and went to where the meal was and sat down. Reggie had already finished their meal and had hopped over to observe Rix and covered their own. No, Reggie, you don't like trying lasagna. So, stop begging. Reggie appeared to sit and observe the Terran intently. Mantu presupposed that this was something of a ritual for the pair, as Rix proceeded to grab a piece of whatever trine lasagna was and lowered it for Reggie to smell it. Reggie appeared not to like the smell of it, but still seemed interested in Rick's consumption of it all the same. 
He's a greedy beggar, but he knows that he shouldn't have. He's a good food checker, that one, Rick said, his mouth half full as he rapidly began to consume the contents of the container. He's a common to provide food from your own portion to your, uh, pet, I believe you called them, Mantu asked. You're not supposed to, but almost everyone does it at some point. Trick is to avoid anything that'll make them sick. Reggie here is pretty resistant to a lot of standard stuff since he was going to be coming to a new colony, and he had to be able to eat whatever we can manage to give him, Rick said in between bites. Is Reggie sentient? Mantu decided to ask. This took a moment of thought by Rick's, who slowed their chewing accordingly. Not in the same way that you and I are, if that's what you're getting at, Rick's rather more eloquently put than Mantu expected. Please explain, Mantu requested. Well... Reggie and most pets are smart to some degree. It's part of how they're raised. We're their family, and they recognize that. But they aren't smart like us, or most aren't. And there are laws against doing mental uplifts, Rick said. They still slowed their consumption. Uplifts being increasing sentience, Munter queried. Something like that, yeah, basically. The TSC figures that beings should get started on their own, you know, and then come to find us, Rick replied. That is not in line with what has occurred since the desolation of UTSC, Mantu commented. Yeah, I've been reading some of the galactic history you downloaded for me. Can't say that I agree with it, but at least there's some pretty strong sentient protections out there, it looks like, Rick said, gesturing with his hands as he continued to eat. That is my understanding. It is also the reason for the previously discussed ongoing debate on scales of sentience, Mantu gestured similarly with the walking frame. Still, can't blame them. Sometimes, uh, it'd be nice if Reggie here was a bit smarter. But I still love him just the way he is, Rick said, setting aside the meal for the moment to cup Reggie's head in his hands again and rub their face vigorously. Should Reggie be out at this time? Mantu asked. Technically, no. But I figured I'd introduce you to. Plus, it's been a long time since I've seen him. He just went into stasis just before we left the station, and it was two weeks for us to get to transit distance. Plus, then a week I've been awake... I'd plan on not seeing him for about a month, but given that we're still in sublight for now, figured I might as well get him up to stretch his legs and enjoy the ship time before I have to put him back under, Rick said, stroking Reggie's head, and Reggie made a kind, happy rumble. Is that pleasure sound? Mantu asked further. It's a happy noise, yes, was Rick's reply. His eyes clearly fixed on Reggie's. On an unrelated matter, I believe this frame will need some additional time charging before I can assist with communicating adapter needs to the mobile printer, Mantu said. Oh, that should be no problem. I figured out that you set it up to be able to talk to my scrolls, so I figure that maybe you can use that while I take Reggie for a quick run and empty before he goes back into stasis. Rick's pushed the now empty container and lids into the one side of the table, grabbed up the container which Reggie had eaten out of and set it to the other one. Rix then proceeded to pull the scroll from his leg pocket and handed it to the walking frame. Back in a few. Come on, Reggie, Rix called, and Reggie immediately followed, suitably ignoring the walking frame holding the data scroll. Back to this analog mess, thought Munter, as they unrolled it and began trying to figure out how to locate the pre-stock templates that they had loaded into the mobile printer. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.